Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Henry. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel, Ohio. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 17 will be our text tonight. And our, the title of our message is Humility Brings God's Blessing. Humility Brings God's Blessing. I'm always the last one there to give you some more time. I was thinking as we were singing that song, it's just kind of on my heart. That song, uh, my buddy of mine, his name was Kevin Pettit, back when I was just out of sight of college, they, they lost their, their child, and at, at their child's funeral, they sang that song, it is well with my soul. And so, listen, that is such a song of faith, isn't it? It's such a song that declares our victory, that we are more than conquerors through Christ. That listen, we, we can stare in the face of death and know we win. Our soul can be at peace. Our life can be at peace. Listen, no evil thing can stand against us. No weapon that is formed against us shall succeed. So it's powerful stuff. Verse 9, he that is, Jesus is teaching here, also said, that is, as we come to our text tonight, Jesus is going to actually give us two lessons on humility. And, and the first thing he's going to give us is a parable, and that parable rebukes the whole idea of self-righteousness. And then he's going to point to some children, and he's going to say, they are an example of what humility is, and you should be like them. And so let's start with the parable first. Verse 9 again, he also told this parable to some who trusted in who? Themselves, that they were righteous. Now, so many people think this way when it comes to their relationship with God. That is, you know, so many people I talk to, so many people I interact with, they, they kind of have this attitude, you know, I, I'm good enough. And, and there's no sense of urgency for them to change anything about themselves. No, no sense of awareness of, of, of God actually holding them accountable. They just think, you know, I, I'm good enough. You know, I, I'm not perfect. But, you know, I, I'm sure that when I appear before God, if there is a God, that he'll say, yeah, you know, pretty good guy, pretty good gal. She, she's okay. You know, some were better, some were worse, but, you know, you made the cut. Or there are others today in society, it's really popular for people to think, you know, I'm good, I'm righteous, I'm a good person because, you know, I support, fill in the blank, this cause, <laughs> You know, I, I, I'm, I'm better than you. I'm more righteous than you. I'm a good person because, you know what? I, I posted Pray for France on my Facebook. Remember that one? Are you too old for that one? It was a couple years ago. Pray for France. Or, you know what? I, I reduced my carbon imprint, and so I'm a good person. I'm righteous. I'm, I, I'm better than you. Or, 
You know what? I use all the right trans pronouns, so I'm a good person. I'm righteous. I'm better than you. And even in our culture, we go so far to say, I'm better than you, and I will shame you until you agree with my cause. I could get really edgy here, but I'll just leave that one alone. (laughs) The other one I, I think that we see today is, of course, when it comes to religious works. Whatever that religion might be, whether it's Christian or Jewish or Muslim or Buddhist or Mormon or Jehovah Witness. And the idea behind doing those religious works, the idea is, listen, if I perform right, God will bless me. I will earn God's favor. If I do the right things, then God will be pleased with me and he will bless me. And that can come in the form of a, a lot of different things. It can be uh, kind of a, a truth, righteousness. That is, you know what, I, I read all the right books uh, according to my group. You know, I, I have all the right answers. Listen, I have knowledge. Or it can be kind of a moral righteousness. You know, I don't drink, cuss, or chew, and I don't run around with girls that do, you know. <laughs> I... I don't do certain things like you. I'm better than you because I don't do that. Or it can be a a ministry righteousness. You know, I I serve, I go to church, I, I do the right things, check, check. Look at all the good things I do. Verse nine again. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with what? Contempt. That is, you know, those two things always go together. Have you noticed? That is, if, if I look to myself, if I'm, I'm saying, I'm looking to myself to say that I am better, that, that I am a good person, then at the same time, I'm going to look down on you. I'm going to be judgmental of you. I'm I'm going to be critical of you because I think that by myself, I am a good person. I am better, and therefore, I'm going to look at how you don't quite measure up. Verse 10, which, by the way, we already always select the things that we don't have a problem with, and we ignore the things we do. Right? That's, anyway, verse 10. Jesus, uh, he's going to now tell the parable, and he's going to rebuke this attitude that he's introduced here in verse 9. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed. He prayed thus, God, I thank you. Sounds good, right? God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. So this religious leader, this Pharisee, he compares himself with other people, and in his prayer to God, he he thanks God. God, I'm, I'm so thankful I'm not like everybody else. You're lucky to have me on your team. 
Now, we hear that, and we think, well, man, that is, whew, that's arrogant, man. If, to think that you're better than other people like that, I can't believe that, you know? And, but the reality is many of us think that. We just don't write it down and have to have it read. For example, the people you work with, do you ever think they're all stupid, man? If I wasn't here, this place would fall apart. They're lucky to have me here. Or I'm sure you would never post on Facebook or tweet it or whatever. Whatever. I've never met a person quite as important as me. And yet, are you ever in traffic and it's jammed up and... Are you ever frustrated with people who are in front of you and the decisions they make? Or if someone makes a bad move in traffic, are you like, am I the only one who knows how to drive out here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Verse 12, we'll move on. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. So the, uh, the Pharisee, is he's, he's praising himself. He's comparing himself. Now, now notice his prayer is full of praise. <laughs> but it's not about God. And now he is parading his practices before God. And his goal is, his expectation is, is that God's going to be impressed. God's going to be impressed with him and so impressed that God's going to bless him. Obviously, look at what I'm doing. Now, ultimately, we are legalists by nature, and by nature, I mean by our sin nature. That is, when we operate in the flesh, we go to this sort of thinking and this sort of transactional thinking with God. And even when we know that we're saved by grace, we, we, we go over here. I mean, have you ever thought, you know, God, I, I, I've been having my devotions every day. I haven't missed church in three months. I'm tithing. You know, I, I served. I, I was in the nursery last week, God. Surely, surely you will bless me. Surely you will answer this prayer. And he doesn't answer. But then you have a day, like, unfortunately, we all do. We don't have to, but we do. You have a day where you're just, you're kind of fleshing it out. You're having a hard time have putting on the mind of Christ. Your, your, your flesh is rearing up and, and you're struggling and, and God blesses you. He answers your prayer. Now, now, why does he do that? Well, first off, to humble you. But second, to remind us that, listen, God's blessings don't flow to us because of our performance. They flow to us because of Jesus' performance. And it's so important that we remember that God is not going to bless you because you're so great, 
But listen, it's because he is so great and he is so good and he is so gracious. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's good news. Verse 13. But the tax collector, now now Jesus is going to contrast this pious Pharisee with, with the tax collector. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That is ultimately, you know, the tax collectors in those days was the antithesis of the Pharisees. And so we need to understand when, if you lived in that day and you saw a Pharisee, he was well respected in the community. We would look at that person in our community and say, we want them in our community. They were good people. They were educated. They were helpful to the community. They were giving to the community. They were serving to the community. They were well respected people. The tax collector, on the other hand, were considered the scum of the earth because ultimately they extorted money from all the people. That is, the tax collectors were called to collect the taxes for Rome, but what they would do is they would take over and above what Rome required in order to line their own pockets, in order to get rich. But the people couldn't push back because if the people pushed back, then the tax collectors sicked the Roman army on them. And so they, they extorted people. Verse 13 again. But the tax collector, standing far off, that is, he, he didn't even feel worthy to be there. I've met people that tell me that when they come to church and, and God breaks them and it's like they, they didn't even feel worthy to walk in those doors. They, 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 they thought maybe they'd catch on fire if they did. And this Pharisee, he's, he's so aware of his sin, he, he doesn't even feel worthy to be there. continues he would not even lift up his eyes to heaven that is he he was so so ashamed satan's good at shaming us isn't he he's so so full of shame he he he, he didn't even feel worthy to lift his eyes up that is his entire posture was contrite it was broken he was humbled completely. Verse 13 continues. But beat his breast. That is, this tax collector is grieving over his sin. And he's physically going, God, I'm so wicked. Everything about me, I don't love you. I I rebel against you. My heart is stubborn. It's hard. You Forgive me, God saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And so what a contrast, right? Uh, I mean, this tax collector, he's not parading his accomplishments before God. 
he, he's, he knows who he is. He's just honest. God, I, I'm wicked. I, I'm a, I don't follow you. I, I don't believe in you. I, I am a sinner. Please give me what I don't deserve. Please, please, my only hope, be, be merciful to me. That word, the verb, be merciful there is, is the Greek word halaskomai, which is actually the word for atoning sacrifice. And so the fullest sense of what this tax collector is saying here is this, Lord, please be merciful to me through your atoning sacrifice for my sins because I am a sinner. And how did Jesus atone for our sins? What, what sacrifice did he make? He sacrificed himself. He went to the cross. His body was broken. His blood was spilt to atone for, to forgive our sins so that, listen, we can know God now in the present, experience his love, experience his presence, experience his blessings, experience his life, and that we can know him forever in heaven. And so listen, that's what communion represents. Communion represents the atoning sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf, and we'll celebrate that here in a moment. Well, it continues. Verse 14. I tell you, now, now what Jesus is going to say next would have confused everyone in the crowd. It would have, they'd be like, uh, that, that, that can't be right. This man went down to his house, what? Justified rather than the other. That is ultimately the tax collector, not the Pharisee, was justified. Well, what does that mean? Well, justified means being made right with God. Justified means being made with, right with God. And here's an easy way to remember what justified means. Justified means just as if I never sinned. Justified means just as if I never sinned sin. That is, our sin was placed on Jesus, and Jesus took it, and he bore it on the cross. He took the punishment in our place. Listen, our sin was put on Jesus, but then Jesus put his righteousness and his perfection on us. It was the great exchange. Jesus took our sin, but then he gave us his righteousness, and so now we are made fully right 
with God. And God treats us according to Jesus' righteousness and not our sin. And so now we become his children and now we experience his life and now his spirit indwells in us and now we experience his blessing and now we get to go to a perfect place called heaven forever. Because Jesus made us righteous. Because Jesus justified you before God. And that's the good news. Verse 14 again, or it continues. For everyone who exalts himself will be what? Humbled. <laughs> but the one who humbles himself will be what? In God's economy, the way up is down. In God's kingdom, the way up is down. If you want to be all you are supposed to be in God's kingdom, you want to experience all that God has for you in his kingdom, the way up is down. And it's always, always better to humble ourselves before God as the Holy Spirit reveals it to us, convicts us of it. And it's a process because we can't handle it all at once. Always better to humble ourselves before God than be humbled by God. A any believers been on the end of that stick? Being humbled by God because you were too stubborn to humble yourself? It's not fun. Always better, always better to humble ourselves before God. So let me ask you tonight, are you full of pride? That is, you know, I, I mean, I'm here, I'm at church, I know God, I know Jesus, but you know what, I, I want this over here my way. I want my life to look a certain way. I want, I want what I want, when I want it, how I want it. This is, and I'm trying to control that. And, and if submitting to God, following God, trusting God doesn't mean that, I, I'm resisting. I, I'm not laying it all before God, saying, God, whatever, not, not my will, but your will, your kingdom is what I want fully, whatever that means. I hold all this stuff out here loosely. You know, do you, do you put on your Christianity once a week and you come here and you worship God, but then you go live in the real world and you basically have your church life and your real life? Is there any area of your life that God is calling you to, to submit to him, to humble yourself before him, to, to be that child that is dependent upon him fully, to quit trying to do it on your own, to quit trying to make it go your way? 
let me encourage us tonight, my, myself included. Because pride's a real thing, right? I mean, it's just easy to try to take the steering wheel sometimes. Now, let me encourage us tonight. Let's humble ourselves so that God can exalt us. Amen? All right. Verse 15. Now they were bringing even infants to him, that is to Jesus, that he might touch them. That is ultimately, you know, to lay hands on them and bless them. And so this is really instructive for us as parents and grandparents that, listen, we should be constantly bringing our kids, our grandkids before Jesus. And listen, the way we do that is by praying for them, that they would know him and follow him and be blessed by him, by, by praying with them in the same way that they might know him and follow him and walk with him and be blessed by him, and by teaching him or by teaching them Jesus' word. Jesus continues, and when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Verse 16, but Jesus called to them saying, let the children come to me and do not what? hinder them. I love that. Jesus loves kids. And so he says, listen, don't, don't hinder them. In fact, you know, we, we saw this before. We already taught on this, that those who hinder children, <laughs> better for them to tie a millstone around their neck and be thrown into a lake and drown because Jesus is going to give it to them. Remember that? We should never hinder a child. But also, we should never fail to provide an opportunity for that child to see Jesus. And that's instructive to me as a parent. It's instructive to me as a grandparent. It, 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 it's instructive to me as an elder of this church. It's a haunting question. We can't hinder those kids that are upstairs. And we can't fail to provide them every opportunity to know Jesus. Verse 16. But Jesus called to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for such belongs, what? The kingdom of God, that is, you know, little kids receive the blessings of Jesus without performing and without acting like they don't need it. You know, you have a little kid who, who's with their daddy or grandpa. They don't, they don't have to perform for that grandpa's love. They, they don't act like they don't need their grandpa or daddy's help, right? And so listen, if we are going to experience the blessings of the kingdom, we have got to be in that same dependent place. Verse 17. Truly I say to you, whoever, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, like what? A child. 
shall not enter it. That is not only does Jesus say here that he accepts little kids into his kingdom, which by the way, you know, if you ever have a small child who dies, they go to heaven. Jesus accepts the little ones into his kingdom. Not only does he say that he lets the little ones into his kingdom, he not only says that, but then he looks at him and goes, by the way, they're the model citizens in my kingdom. They're the ones you should be looking at. They're the model citizens of the kingdom of God because they fully trust and they fully love. And so listen, if we want to experience the kingdom of God, we've got to be like that. We've got to be dependent like a child. We've got to be in love like a child to receive the blessings of the kingdom. Even ultimately, listen, to enter into it. Well, let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc. 